Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Madeline. I'm Elise, and this is You Know That's Right, a creative writing club in podcast form. Welcome to the show. Today we're going to talk about villains. We're very excited. So I have a list of different types that I, in particular, find fun to write. Okay. So first on my list is like dark and brooding types. You know, like your resident emo boy who's gone too far, which... Kylo Ren. No, not (laughs) Kylo Ren. Okay, I just want to say, I might have mentioned this in another episode, I don't like Kylo Ren, but I am a fan of how they chose to make him as a villain. He's trying to be sympathetic, but he's not, and I feel like that's never been done in any stories that I've seen. Yeah, it's interesting for sure. still don't like him, because he annoys me. Yeah, yeah. Dark and brooding villains. Like, you know, the type that are just, like, they, they're sort of classic, like, next to the evil queen archetype right. of villain. These are very classic, you know, they, they have, like, the cape and they dress all in black and they're, they have the evil laugh and the, um, maybe, maybe they have an evil laugh. I don't know. I'm trying I to- don't think they have an evil laugh. Okay. I feel like, um... Maybe they do. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a good example of this type of villain. Why can't I think of something? I feel like this is a classic trope. Well, Lord Voldemort in Harry Potter, I think, sort of fits this trope. He's, like, very dark and just... He's not angsty, but he's brooding because he's always, like, Harry Potter, I must kill him, and he's... That type of villain. I liked the evil voice. <laughs> you like my Voldemort voice. So, yeah, that's a fun type of villain to write. And mm-hmm. then there's also, I, I hope I don't trigger everyone by using this word, minions. <laughs> uh, not the yellow, small kind, but I do have an example for this type of villain. So do I. <laughs> okay. Um, my example is in Transformers. You know, you had Megatron, and he was the big bad dude. He also falls in the dark and brooding category, I think. But his minion was Starscream. And, you know, Starscream was always, like, he was evil, he was bad news, but he was also slightly incompetent and not as scary as his boss. My example, the the first thing that comes to my mind is, uh, we were talking in the last episode about how Lord of the Rings sets, sets the stage for a lot of things. I think about Grima Worm, Wormtongue. Oh, yeah. I forgot about him. Yeah. He disgusts me. <laughs> he, yeah, I think that often happens is, like, the, the main villain is awesome. Like, he's evil, and you may, you don't like him, but he's, he's cool. Yeah. But then the minion is, like, just, <laughs> he's not cool i really like the trope of i don't know if this is really a popular trope i use it of the minion who is actually kind of controlling 
the main villain. Oh, he yeah. seems to be the main villain, but the minion is actually the main yes, villain. Yes, yeah, that's that's interesting. I, I do like that, where the minion is actually not incompetent, mm-hmm. and they have more power than they let on. Yeah. Yeah, that's and that's really good. mind games. Mind games. We love a villain who plays mind games. We do. It, it's the greatest. Um, And then... Also, I feel like this is the supreme, the villains who are, like, truly evil. And I think what I meant by this is not the dark and brooding kind that are just, like, these are the guys that you hate. Like, the ones you love to hate. Yeah, Yeah, kind of. Like, they're just, yeah. Like, they have no moral compass, almost. Sort of. I... My I have two examples in mind for this. Uh, the first one is Umbridge from Harry Potter. She's like she dresses in pink and decorates her room in kittens, but she is worse than Voldemort in all of our opinions. I have no input. I y'all are gonna hate me, but I haven't read Harry Potter. You've seen the first movie. I've seen though. the first movie. She knows a little bit. I'm not completely leaving her out here. Yeah. And then the other one, you do know this one. I don't know how many people watched this. It was probably not super popular. But in the BBC Robin Hood, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Yes! <laughs> he was so bad. He, like, I will oh. always remember, like, I was traumatized when we were watching it. I feel like this perfectly, like, encapsulates it. I don't know if this is the sheriff or the king. He, it might have been the king. Someone was holding a bird. There was the sheriff. And then... Broke its neck. And I was like, that is ruthless. Yeah, yeah, like, he, it's like a little pet bird that he has in his cage, and he just takes it out, and he's, like, stroking it, you know, like, evil villain style, you know, where they have their mm-hmm. pet, and they're, like, petting it. And then all of a sudden, he just crushes it in his hand. I was traumatized. That show- That's exactly what I mean. Yeah. The villain who just does unnecessarily yeah. evil things. Like, chaotic evil. Like... Lord Voldemort was nice to animals, um, at least. He had Good his for pet, him. He had his pet snake, and he treated her very nicely. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, no, okay, now I want to rewatch that show, but go on. Um, and then I have, and this is the one that the fangirls always go over. And I have to add that all of these categories can overlap. With each other. Like, yeah. you can yeah, yeah. have a dark and brooding villain, and they can be any of these other things. Or you can have a truly evil villain, and they can be any of these other things. Um, it's, they're not one-dimensional. They shouldn't yeah. be one-dimensional. A yeah. lot of times people make them one-dimensional. You can fall into several types. The next I have on my list is the sympathetic Okay, villain. let me just say... Um, not for the reason you think. I love this trope. I don't like, I'm not even reading, I love writing this trope because I love redemption arcs. I really like a character who is hanging on to the last thread of something, you know, like morals, light, I don't know what you would call it, and they're able to be saved. I just think it's really cool, and it can be really touching if you do it right. It is. And... I love it, and I'm always drawn to it, and yeah. I think humanity as a whole loves redemption arcs, if it's done right, Mm -hmm. but you don't always have to have a uh, 
sympathetic villain with a redemption arc. This is true. Yeah, you can... What a sympathetic villain is, is someone who is evil, like, they are the bad guy, but you probably... They have, like, the tragic backstory, Mm -hmm. or, you know, it doesn't have to be as tropey and dramatic as that, but, like... During some part of the story, you get into their head and you see mm. the reasoning why. Yeah. And it's like a little bit understandable. Some people would argue that Thanos is a sympathetic villain. Uh, I would not agree, but I have heard the argument. I think what Marvel likes to do is they like to take villains and take a trait that is sort of good. Mm-hmm. Like, um,. Balancing things or and making it evil, <laughs> yeah. Um, like taking it to the extreme and yeah. showing how extremists can be bad. I and also let me just say, I don't think, um, you mentioned tragic backstories. I think that you can have completely evil characters who have a tragic backstory, yeah, yeah, and they're just totally, and you can see it, they're far past that, far gone, like, yeah, and they're not like, sympathetic, yeah, and you hate them still, even though you have seen part of their past, yeah. The, the sympathetic villain, yeah, like you said, it's, it's not just a tragic backstory, it's that sometimes. You can see them being humane. You can see them hesitating before they do something or, like, them Mm -hmm. wanting to be able to be good. And I think that can be done really, really well. In my own story, I gravitate, and I don't know if other people do this, um, I gravitate towards having a sympathetic villain and a very evil villain. Yeah, me too. Um, sort of as, yeah, you do, um... I don't know, to show contrast and just because I feel like I like having one redemption arc and, you know, one villain that's defeatable that, yeah. Yeah, I don't feel bad that the main characters are (laughs) being mean to him. Yeah, I do that too. I do have a sympathetic villain and originally I don't think he was going to be as sympathetic. I think he was going to be on the truly evil side, but then I, um, I don't know. I enjoy that. Um, and I do have the bigger, badder villain yeah. as well. Yep. Um, okay, and this is quite possibly my favorite trope for villains that we're about to bring up. Dramatic! Oh, this is the greatest. I love dramatic villains. She I, wrote it on all caps on her notes sheet. I did. <laughs> I did. I love me a dramatic villain. Yeah. I think this is a good time <laughs> to bring up this story that me and Elise mm-hmm. tried writing together. We have not... It's just a concept, really, Yeah. that we have. We might in the future do something with it. Yes. But it's it's hard to know. Yeah. Um. It was a collaborative story. And the villain, he he's wonderful. I love writing with him so much. Uh, his name is Algernon, and he's like, you know, the classic, I want to rule the kingdom. And he wears, like, all black, and he's always, like, just sauntering all over the place. It's and- so funny to write. I love it. Uh, and that sounds a lot like Loki, and I'm not trying to oh, do that. Uh, it's 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 not. Loki <laughs> is not a good portrayal, I don't think. The fangirls are going to come for me. 
I don't know. I feel like he's overdone. Because he's, like, dramatic and sympathetic and dark and brooding. And it's just, like, too many things. I, yeah. He's a complex character. He, yeah, it's... he's cool. And I think maybe that does fit with the original mythology of yeah. him being a trickster. He, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, being kind of inconsistent because he's always on his feet doing things. Anyways. Yeah. I'm trying to think of another, like, example from literature. Um, or, like, media that people would know, but. Megamind is the pretty stereotypical dramatic villain, yeah. but he is, it's more comedy, so I don't know how much that counts. Um, yeah. Well, think like Dracula, the original with the cape and the fangs and the theatrics and the turning into a bat and being, mm -hmm. like, I've read the original and he's pretty dramatic in the uh, in the original mm. Dracula. He's not the sparkly vampire boy that the media has come to expect, but it it's pretty cool. Yeah. I like the drama. The, not the drama, the dramatic flair. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> then I have anti-heroes. Mm. Anti-heroes are morally gray i guess you'd call them yeah i don't have as much experience writing Me these either. types actually i have one character who mm, i don't really know if this falls into it she's an assassin um she has you, her motives are not clear she is only working for the villain because she's getting paid. So self selfish motives, but she's not intentionally driving the main plot. And she um, is very sympathetic. Um, like, she doesn't want to be doing what she's doing in a sense. Yeah, it's she's a very complex character, and I'm in the middle of kind of rerunning her character. So I can't really explain her very well because I'm kind of changing things about her right now. But, yeah, she is... Yeah. Yeah. I would say that sort of fits. An anti-hero is someone who does bad things mm -hmm. to achieve a good goal. I'm mm. pretty sure that's what the... Okay. Yeah. I... Hmm. A lot of times, there's the classic alignment chart, you know? I think this character would be categorized as, like, true neutral or chaotic neutral. Yeah. I like reading about those. I've just never really written someone like this. <laughs> then we have reformed villains. I Everybody have. loves the reformed I villain. I have a reformed villain. Uh, reformed villains are great. I think the resurgence of popularity in Avatar The Last Airbender <laughs> has um, brought reformed villains <laughs> back into a special place. Because you have Prince Zuko. Do you... I haven't seen it. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I live under a rock. There's uh, a lot of things I haven't seen. But Well, reformed villains... I kind of know. Yeah. yeah. Reformed villains are great uh, if you do it right. I mean, you can't have, like, one of those truly evil guys and then have them just magically mm -hmm. all of a sudden decide to be good. You can't... You can't do that. Um, yeah. No, you really can't. You have to make it realistic. Like, y y this might work better if you had, like, a sympathetic villain. And like we were talking about with redemption arcs. If you give them a redemption arc, you have a reformed villain on your hands. Yeah. And it's 
it can be really fun to work with. Every reformed villain I've read about in literature or seen in TV shows, great. Uh, the fans love it. Um, <laughs> um, and then this is another dimension that can be added to any of these categories that we've mentioned, and that is a villain who has history with the protagonists of the story. I have this trope. Oh boy, do I have this trope. I think that... All over the place. Yeah, I think it adds another dimension to your villain that makes it way more interesting and makes the stakes higher. Because I think that kind of makes more sense in your story as to why your protagonist Mm -hmm. is the one who's trying to take down this villain. They know. (laughs) Like, because they have history, so, like, who better? Um... It's, but it's who better and who worse. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, my main villain, like, I have my big bad villain, and they don't really have history with the character. It's it's very complicated, but my smaller, sympathetic villain guy, he has history with the characters. It's... And that becomes mm. a huge element of... Mm. <laughs> Elise, sad. Elise knows um, about my story. And r- listeners, we will talk about our personal stories in an episode without yeah. getting too spoiler-ish in case we decide to publish. Yep. Well, we're hoping to publish one day. I also know that there's a trope. Um, I don't think this is done very often mm-hmm. where authors will have a villain and they're trying to almost um they're trying to make the readers root for the villain but it's kind of you don't realize they're the villain and it's like from the villain's point of view and i personally i don't think i've read anything like that yeah but i I don't think i would like it because i don't i feel like i wouldn't enjoy being manipulated by the authors but yeah (laughs) i've seen some writing prompts and stuff that talk about that yeah and i think it's an interesting concept i don't think i would like reading it i think i'd be mad (laughs) yeah but i definitely think you could work with that yeah yeah i think there's some books and shows that center on the villain but you know they are the villain but mm. it's because it's focused on them you end up liking them anyway just because they're the character you're exposed to the most yeah i have read books where like um you don't really know who the villain is and you don't know their motives and i and these books usually have sequels so you know later but it's interesting because the characters honestly don't really know what they're fighting for um, just that they're fighting for their lives. <laughs> yeah, I do like a villain who makes his entrance a later. A big reveal villain. Like, a big a, reveal. A revillain. A revillain. Re- <laughs> 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 I'm trying so hard to make that work, but I don't know if it does. Revillain. <laughs> um, yeah, someone who you think is on the good guy's side yeah. until the end when they reveal it was them all along. Yes, I do enjoy yeah, that yeah. type of villain. One thing, okay, so now that we have all the types of villains out of the way, we got to talk about some critical things that you have to give your villain in order for them to be believable. Motivation. Mm -hmm. They have to have a good motivation. They can't just, I mean, I would say they're as important to develop as your main characters. They need a character arc. 
Um, even if it, you know, is it doesn't mean them being good. They need. I don't. I really don't like. Um, you know, just the cardboard villains where you're not clear on anything. Um, like you don't know, like, oh, why are they trying to do this? Um, it's just kind of frustrating. Yeah. But sometimes there, there are times when it works, though. There are times, uh, where you can get a. An, a villain who is evil for the sake of being evil. Yeah. And that's kind of like the dramatic one. Um, uh-huh. Like, we'll go back to Harry Potter Voldemort. I mean, he has motivations. You know, mm. he wants to be immortal. He has a fear of death. But I feel like just that in itself shows. It's like he, like one of the big things is that he doesn't love. Love is absent from his Mm -hmm. mentality and he acknowledges that and he's proud of that as a villain and i think that is a case where it really works like evil for the sake of being evil yeah you have a motivation but you also are self-aware yeah like you you are a self-aware villain and you know you're being evil but you don't care and you like it better that way yeah i will say um I have started, in recent drafts, I've started writing chapters, I get scattered chapters from, like, one of my villain's point of views, and I, even if it doesn't end up in, like, the main work, I love it. Like, it helps me develop my villains, it's dramatic, it's amazing, it's really cool, I get to use, like, really dark symbols and metaphors, and, um, I think it's amazing. I think it's so fun to do. A lot of people probably don't do that and I realize that and it might um like I honestly might it might not make it into the final draft if there ever is a final draft but I do enjoy like just writing from my villain's point of view I think it's that's a good exercise it's a good way to make sure they have proper motivation Mm -hmm. and goals like what is your villain's end goal is it to rule the world is it to attain some object or concept is it is it small scale? Is it large scale? Is it revenge? Is it, you know, there's all these different goals that yeah. intertwine with motivation. I feel like goals and motivation can intertwine, although you can have the villain with a tragic backstory, and that tragic backstory is what spurred them to be evil, and mm-hmm. that can be their motivation, and then you can have their goal, which is, like, to rule the world or revenge um but it often goes hand in hand yeah i think revenge and ruling the world are the two or at least a small kingdom or whatever are the two biggest taking control taking power power in general control is a big thing for villains i think it makes sense like i know why people do it so often and i kind of have that yeah a little bit yeah um not every part of your story has to be unique, by the way. Yeah, you can use tropes. Um, I know a lot of writers struggle with the idea of, like, my idea has to be unique, mm-hmm. and I cannot use trope, which yeah. is fine in its own way, too. But, like, don't be afraid to use tropes. Yeah. Some um, tropes, the reason that uh, tropes can be used a lot is because they're fun and people like them. <laughs> yeah. So if you like something... But it's not necessarily completely original. That's okay. Yeah. You and can it is, use it. I think it is fair to say that there's a difference between tropes and cliches. Yeah, there is a difference. Um, we'll get into yeah. that in our trope episode. But, um, yeah. 
One more thing. This can be a little controversial controversial in some stories. What happens to your villain at the end? Mm. Do they die? Are they imprisoned? Are they just... My... Okay. For me, um, at least, I, it's kind of hard. I'm rewriting right now. But in the draft that I have right now, like my last draft, um, my villain ends up dead. Uh-huh. Um, sympathetic villain ends up in jail. But, like, sympathetically in jail. <laughs> like, yeah. they, they need to be in jail, and they know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think used to it would be like just kill the villain like the villain dies he dies but then you have um characters like batman or um in avatar the last airbender or other works shows books where they will get to the point where they're like okay let's we're gonna like the whole time they're like we're gonna kill the villain we're gonna end this and then they get there and mm-hmm. they're faced with a moral dilemma, and they're like, can I really kill this person? I love, yeah, I like that. Um, yeah. It's interesting, especially because it shows, like, how is your protagonist really different from your villain? Um, I think, to me, I think it's okay if your, vil- if your protagonist kills the villain, if they are in a situation where the villain is actively trying to, like, kill them and others yeah like if the villain is actively like attacking to kill and everything then killing them is makes sense it (laughs) makes sense like if they're fighting especially yeah especially if they're in a battle like if there's a final battle and the protagonist ends up killing the villain during this final battle they don't have to um avatar the last airbender played this very well um, they don't have to kill them, but, you know, there's always exile so that your villain yeah. can come back later. <laughs> yeah, um, there can be exile, there can be imprisonment, there can be death, there can be, um, I... they can just disappear sometimes. Like, maybe the villain runs away, or maybe something weird mm-hmm. happens, and they're just gone, and then they Personally, come back later. Personally, I think that the reason that people don't do jail or exile very often is because usually when that's played into, the villains come back and escape later. And sometimes you don't want to imply that they're going to come back. But honestly, we've gotten to a point where it does imply that they will come back. Like, oh, this villain has gone away, but he's not dead, so he's going to come back. I think that sometimes, though, they don't always come back in the way you expect. That is true. They don't come back as a villain, but maybe the new villain is somehow connected to them. Yeah. And so the protagonist goes to their, like, prison cell or whatever and be like, hey, give me information. Um, hey. Or um, maybe they do die and then, like, a relative or someone rises up and is the new villain. Disney movies do this. Um, <laughs> I mean, in Frozen, um, Hans doesn't die. Um, he gets exiled. Which That's I think a Disney is- movie. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just saying, like, they, I mean, they can't necessarily do that, which is interesting how they have to work around that, just... Well, they can have them die, like, I think... Yeah, in certain, yeah. Like, in Tangled, the villain dies, um, Yeah, it was kind of dark, though, I don't... Yeah, it was... I thought it was good. It was awesome, no, I loved it, but I feel like if I watched 
that at a very, very young age. Like, I watched it when I was a little bit older. I think I actually watched it for the first time with you. But I feel like I might have been a little bit traumatized. But yeah. they did do it in a very clever way. And then in uh, Coco, the villain dies. Yeah. So I just think it's interesting how um, Disney. Disney uses... Because Disney has limitations on what they can do to their villain. And I think yeah. it's interesting. And they're, Disney is a very good storyteller. Like, the studio has very good storytelling abilities. I agree. Some people would disagree. I agree. Yeah. Um, even, I don't know, sometimes they're a little meh, you know, but I do think a lot, they actually have a lot more villain deaths than you would think. I'm sure, yeah. Like, I can't, let's, let's see, they have. Does Ursula die? Ursula dies, Scar dies. Oh, um, yeah, the guy in Wreck-It Ralph dies. Oh, Coco. and you know what? Like, they killed the parents a lot, too. They killed maybe, the parents. Maybe Disney doesn't have a lot of limitations on what they can do. I, I think but they have... It is interesting. They have issues with showing on-screen yeah. deaths. I mean, there are a few in more recent films, but those are handled very gracefully. Because yeah. these are kids' movies, so, you yeah. know. Even though, yeah. Well, okay. Disney, yeah. Um, villains, what? So you said yours are jailed and killed. Mine, I don't really want to s- say what happens to okay. mine, but it's, yeah. Yeah, I yeah, <laughs> I respect that, because we're also going to talk about our books, and we don't want to, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to say what happens to my villains in the yeah. end. Um, I think mine is very um, tropey. That's why we felt fine to saying it because you can kind of piece together that that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, and sometimes you can have the villain die, or like you think they die, and then there's a plot twist, and they come back. Right at the last minute, mm-hmm. and then they actually get rid of them somehow. <laughs> yeah, I tried to do that with my protagonist, where she uh, died, but she didn't die. But like, I was, I wasn't good at yeah. Know, that can that happen. With it can. Character. I was like, it didn't make sense in my case. Um, um, but yeah. Well, uh, what else do we have to say on villains? They're cool. Write them well. Yeah. Tell us. Yeah. Tell us. Um. They about have, your villains, your, their tropes, or, you know, what they fall into, their motives. Yeah, they have to be as well-developed as your protagonists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, tell us about your own villain writing experiences. Maybe tell us your favorite kind of villain. And I think that's All about right. it. Bye.